The first house I ever had fantasies about was a wood and glass octagon, occupied by an imaginary person whose name I'd decided was Malcolm Apricot Dingo. The way I remember it, the house, which was real, looked more like a giant lemonade pitcher than a place where people might actually live. It sat on a weedy plot of land, on a winding street, a tall, barrel-like structure that at certain times of day, and given a certain arrangement of the window shades, provided a view all the way through to the backyard. I was six years old, and this was a source of unending delight. The house made me feel as if I had X-ray vision as if I were bionic. Twice a day, my mother drove me past this house on our 20-minute drive to and from my school. The commute had been made necessary by our recent move to a new neighborhood, and my mother's last-minute decision, amid my begging and tears, to allow me to attend first grade at the same school where I'd attended kindergarten. The summer before, my parents had bought their first house, a yellow brick bungalow, in a state of nearly unfathomable decay. And for all my mother's enthusiasm about the new neighborhood, she hadn't taken the final step of forcing me to attend school in the proper district. In retrospect, this deferment of the inevitable seems by turns tender and useless. I transferred to my zone-appropriate school the following year. The year after that, we'd pack our belongings in a rented rider truck and move 1,700 miles to yet another town and another school, where I'd stay for three years before another local move necessitated another clumsy navigation through a brine of strangers. But in the year of the octagonal house, in those ten months when I passed it twice daily, each time announcing to my mother, I have an explicit memory of this, though she only vaguely recalls it, that Malcolm Apricot Dingo was watching us from behind the glass of what I was sure was his second-floor study, that having glanced up momentarily from his very important work, he was waving to us, and that it was only polite that we wave back. I knew nothing of the gut-rattling chaos of being the new kid in school. I knew nothing of eating lunch alone while gamely pretending to read a book, of the indelibly bad impression that can be made from wearing the wrong clothes on the first day of school, of trying to forge friendships with people who'd had the same best friend since before even the last time you were the new kid. I also had little territorial frame of reference other than the lush, heat-stroked hill country of Austin, Texas, where we'd moved when I was three and where we'd stay until I was nearly nine. Though I was born in Palo Alto, California, and had trace memories of suburban Chicago, where my family had done a six-month stint when I was a toddler, the bulk of my early childhood was pure Texan. I had a drawl. I said y'all and ice cream, and assumed that everyone else in the world did too. I also assumed that every summer day topped out at 108 degrees, and that all cockroaches were the size of turtles, and that armadillos were a common form of roadkill. My brother, who was four years younger than I, had been born in Austin in 1974, making him a native Texan. The retired couple who lived next door and whose college-aged children I worshipped were like surrogate grandparents. The city was also home to my friends, my babysitters, my school, my cat. In other words, everything that mattered. I was blonde and perpetually tanned and pocked with bites from Texas mosquitoes. I also happened to have an almost alarming fixation on Little House on the Prairie. First the TV show, and as soon as I could read, the books. I wore a sunbonnet passed down from my maternal great-grandmother, kept my hair in braids like Laura Ingalls, and occasionally called my parents Ma and Pa. 
When the bonnet wore down to a rag, my mother got out her sewing machine, which she used often to make our clothes, and whipped up a new one. At my request, she also helped me put my mattress on top of two box springs and leaned a stepladder against it, thereby mimicking the loft bed setup of the Ingalls girls.